can't do it without her permission because he doesn't violate our will. Can we agree to that? I mean, you know, he, he always knows what's best, but he doesn't always get to do what's best because he does what he wants to do through our willful choices. So hold your Bibles up. Say this with me out loud. This is my Bible. It's the living Word of God. Has the power to change lives. And I declare by faith that my life and the life of those around me will be changed by the Word. Um, let me say this to you. There are a lot of people, and I really felt impressed this morning to, to pray over not just people in our church, but people in other churches. And obviously, you can pray all the way around the world for that. But in our community, so many people are on a long weekend, and they're getting a chance to be with family. But I just felt over there to pray over their safety. So get a hold of somebody, would you? Grab somebody. Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for our brothers and sisters that have had a chance to, to use a long weekend. But Lord, I, I just, I'm feeling impressed. I want to pray over their safety. No, no breakdowns, no accidents, no problems, no circumstances. Bless them and let them know that they are loved in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, today we're going to, yeah, I guess I get, she gives me. She gives me signs. There, we, we, we live the New Testament. She signs and I wonder. Okay. Um, we, Susan mentioned the, um, uh, the get-together, uh, the town hall meeting. And, uh, I mean, you've got to hear Jessica's testimony. To listen to this young teenager who goes through this horrific, life-changing surgery orchestrated by the school system in some forms or not necessarily orchestrated, but facilitated to hear that testimony and to hear her share how we can address the issues in the public school system. This is so important. That's why you or we as a church have a school because your children, as Pastor Suzanne uh, is principal of the school, that as we bring children on the campus, the parents know they're safe from those issues. And, you know, that's absolutely crucial. And so, again, I encourage you to town hall meeting. It's going to be a good time. Okay? Um, there are 113 verses in the Bible that deal with what we're going to talk about today. 113, 43 in the Old Testament, and 70 in the New Testament. And it has to do with how we live our lives. Remember, we just finished a series on living plumb-lined to the Scriptures as living stones. And so we're talking about how we plumb our, live our lives according to the Scripture and what God's Word tells us to do. How many of you want to live the Word of God? Huh? You want to do that? I think we all do. But how many of you know it's not easy? It's not easy. People say, oh, yeah, I just live the Bible. No, you don't. Because if you're living it, you know exactly how hard it is. But that's why we need help in living the Scriptures and living the Word of God. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 1.20. For all the promises of God in Him, and notice the promises are in God, are yes or yea, and in Him, amen, which means faithful. 
So all the promises, 7,700 promises in the Bible, they're all in God. Even though they're in a word, they're all in God, and they are promises that are yes, and they're faithful. So in other words, if we're going to live the promises of God, we're going to have to be willing to listen to the voice of God, hear God, and be willing to yield to His Spirit. And so we're living in a world that's doing everything it can to strip the Christian churches of any sense of respect or value by the world. And yet we don't get our respect and we don't find our value from the world system. We find it from God's Word and the Scriptures. And so listen to him again. All the promises of God in him are yes and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. In other words, there's a benefit. You and I benefit. We don't just get saved and then we live saved lives and struggle and muddle through life trying to survive. There are benefits for being a Christian. There are huge benefits. You want to know about them? Read the plumb line. This is all the benefits. There are incredible benefits that can help and aid us get through the circumstances that the world throws at us. The promises of the Father, Acts 1-4, listen to what it says. And being assembled together, here we are, with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem. This is speaking to the New Testament church. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard of me. So listen to what Jesus says. He says, I want you to go wait for the promises. He tells the New Testament church, they have seen him resurrected. They're, they're enjoying his presence, fully resurrected. They, every, every time they see him, they can see the scars and everything, the, the evidence that he's resurrected. And so what he begins to communicate them to them about the promises that God has made for them. Because Jesus gave his life that we might live and enjoy God's promises. But how can you enjoy, how can we enjoy what we don't know about? And even if we know about promises, how do we make them work? Okay? And so our ability is to do more than just cope with life. The church in America, and in so many cases, individuals, not saying you, they're just coping. They're just coping somehow, somehow to get to heaven, and yet they're not coping with life, because when you cope with life, you deal with it. Isn't that right? When you cope with life, you deal with it. You don't avoid it. You face it. You look it square in the eye and knowing that God has given you promises so that you can succeed in your life, not just muddle through it until you die. I don't know about you, but I want to be successful in living my life. How about you? Right? So our ability to do more than just cope with the hardships of life is dependent upon our willingness to face the challenges of life in a spirit-filled way. Now, what does that mean, spirit-filled? Well, obviously, when you're born again, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit comes in us. But then there's another term about being spirit-filled that makes us dependent 
upon the person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus transferred us to. If you remember in John 14, in John 14, Jesus said, I'm going to leave. And when I leave, I'm going to do what? I'm going to send the promise of the Father. Now, is that a gas, a solid, or a liquid? It's a person. Because Jesus said, I'm going to send the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is that promise. And when we focus our lives on Jesus to live our life successfully for him, not to just survive until we die, that it's going to have to be through a relationship that he purchased. Jesus gave his life, one, for our salvation, and two, for our empowerment. In other words, he didn't just give his life for our salvation. He gave his life for us that we would be empowered to share our salvation with others, to win souls, to touch people's lives, to make a difference in people's lives. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. Now, listen to what Luke says. Luke 49, 24, 49 says, And behold, I'm going to send the promise of my Father upon you. But he says, Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. Now, what that tells me is, even though they were born again already, they didn't have enough power. Does that make sense? So once you're born again, you had power. You have the power of eternal life. You have the power of understanding the word, but you don't have enough power. And so that's what he says. Let's do it again. And behold, I send a promise of my Father upon you, and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So my Father, he says, meaning that he had received the promise from the Father, was now passing it on to us because he was the promise? No. He, well, obviously, he was the promise. He was the promise of, of our salvation. But he wasn't the whole promise. Does that make sense? The promise of salvation isn't all of the promise. The promise of salvation is your right to live in eternity without the fear of death in this life and then to live in power of the person of the Holy Spirit, his gift, so that you can tell those who don't know him about this. Does that make sense? So it's, it's not that they give you power so you can just go out and be powerful. Powerful for a reason. Filled with the strength. Filled with the courage. Filled with an understanding of what this is really about. That there's hope in life. That means the Father's plan of salvation comes with the promise of His Spirit. So in other words, when you're born again, when I'm born again, you're born again, we're born again understanding that there's more. I remember, I remember, you know, when I, you've heard me say this before. I, when I gave my heart to the Lord, I got filled with the Spirit. Now, not everybody gets that. I mean, I, you know, I, the man prayed, had me pray this prayer, and I prayed the prayer. Ben, I prayed the prayer sitting in his car on a hot summer morning, and I prayed the prayer, and then wham! And the Holy Ghost fell on me. I didn't know what it was. Now, I'm just going to be raw and real with you. Because I, I had genuinely been born again. 
But then after I was born again, something happened. Wham! And I started to and then I turned and I looked at Ben and I said, what the hell was that? <laughs> now you've heard me say that before. I, you know, and Ben said, we know we're going to work on your language, okay. But, and my language at that time needed a lot of work, okay. But the Holy Spirit is not a condiment. Last week we all had hot dogs. I watched you last week as I'm watching you eat the hot dogs, hot links, and everything, that you're lined up at the table with mustard and ketchup, and you know, you're, you're, and you're putting on something on the hot dog or hot link to enhance it, right? Isn't that why you did it? Yeah. Well, the Holy Spirit is an enhancement to your salvation. In other words, when you're born again, you are genuinely saved, but now you need some mustard. Okay? You, you, need some, you need something added so you can fulfill your responsibility. It's not just so that, you know, the power of the person of the Holy Spirit when he came on the day of Pentecost wasn't just to say, okay, I'm going to zap you and bless you and way to go. He empowered them that they could take the message the saving grace of Jesus Christ to people of every walk of life. And that's why we focus as a church, and a lot of churches do, not everyone does. Not some, some don't really understand the Holy Spirit as anything more than a condiment. But we understand that the question becomes how we accept our responsibility to tell others about the saving grace of Jesus Christ is not just in word, but in deed. It's one thing to say it. It's another thing to live it, right? And so we understand Acts 1-4 again, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you've heard of me. So in other words, there's a promise. Now, if you are listening to this and or on the live feed and you're not quite sure how that works or who that is, I want you to understand that I'm going to cover something that's really difficult. And I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm saying because I, I, it's really kind of dangerous. Okay? That to accept and embrace your salvation, and to refuse, not be ignorant of, that's not what I said, but to refuse to go further into your salvation, seeking out the person of the Holy Spirit. Okay, listen, that's very careful. You have to be very, very careful how you do that. Because so many, we, you know, so many people say, well, yeah, are you, are you, are you a spirit-filled church? Well, what church isn't, right? Either that or it's not a church. But when you say spirit-filled to some people, they think, oh, that's people, you know, just shabba-dabba-doing all the time. Okay, does that make sense? So we understand that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a dangerous word. Say, turn to your neighbor and say, listen up. 
We have to be careful that we don't commit blasphemy when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit. I know people that will speak flippantly as believers about the Holy Spirit as he's described in the Scriptures and as Jesus said in John 14, the night before he gave his life. They treat the Holy Spirit as kind of like a condiment and they don't lean on him. And we have to be very careful because the word blasphemy means willful and ignorance. It means to blaspheme the person of the Holy Spirit is to say, I willfully choose to not know you. Now, you haven't done that. But I want you to understand that willful choices to avoid what God has purchased for us in the person of the Holy Spirit through the life of Jesus, I didn't say you committed blasphemy. But you understand that. Listen to what he says, Matthew 12, 31, 32. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy, these are words of Jesus, shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. Now, you don't hear sermons about this very often. This is pretty bone-crushing because that is a major warning from Jesus himself. Those are red letters in your Bible. Okay, now listen, let's, let's read it again. Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven of men, but blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven unto men. And whosoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whosoever speaks against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him, neither in this world nor in the world to come. Now, it's really getting tense in the room. I can feel it. But I didn't say that. Now, I know the theologians are going to say, well, now, Bob, no, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is talking about the rejection of salvation. That's not what he said. And so we have to understand that. And if you have, you know, in some point in your life decided you don't want anything, you don't want to go any farther with the person of the Holy Spirit, I didn't say you committed blasphemy. Don't say that. I'm on record. Okay? What I'm saying is you're dangerously close. If you've given your life to Jesus and you do know, which you may not know, you do know that there's a second encounter, and you willfully turn your back on it. So the point, I guess, would be how open are we or you to inviting the person of the Holy Spirit to come into your life in the New Testament manner? That's, that's thank you. So, so we understand it. It's getting quiet, I know, but I, I had to have to get through this before I can get to the other stuff, okay? But uh, past and present sins are forgiven, but the rejection and the denial uh, of the, the willful aggravation against the person of the Holy Spirit, Jesus said you'd be very careful. Now, uh, it's, this, if this sounds like a threat, then you have a problem with the Holy Spirit. 
because you've seen people do crazy things in the name of the Holy Spirit. Not that they, you know, they, you know I didn't say they were crazy. They just, you know. And so you understand that Jesus, in his final instructions, listen, today they were written. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 12, 7. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to some to profit with. No, you didn't read it. Shall we read it again? But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every lamb to profit with all. Everybody. In other words, if you knew you had something that could profit, I don't mean like dollars and cents, but help and aid you in living your life to tell others about Jesus, why would you deny it? Why would we turn it down? Oh, I, I, yeah, Jesus is brutal, okay? The second encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit is always a matter of trust. Remember I've said to you, and Jesus, we're going to hear what Jesus says, this is your plumb line. And if you're going to be plumbed according to the Scriptures, then you're going to have to be willing to trust the one that Jesus entrusted us to. And so John 14, 26, But the Comforter, listen to what he says, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, notice he's coming from the Father. Now, I'm going to be technical here, but not coming from Jesus. I'm just being technical. I'm being technical about what's said. Okay. Don't go theologically weird on me. Okay, listen. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, it's the Father. Now watch what he says. He shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. In other words, if we're going to live our lives plumb to God's Word, you're going to live it according to the person of the Holy Spirit because Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. Oh, that got everybody quiet. You know, the Bible says Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. When he ascended, what did he say? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Because he's now going to be in a personal relationship with you. And he's going to be in your life. Not on it, but in it. Because you can't be born again without him. Okay? But we also know Jesus, after they were born again, sent them to Pentecost that they might receive the second encounter. And so it's really, really crucial that we understand that that second encounter is what helps us live our life as a testimony to the world around us. And it doesn't make you spooky and weird. You don't run around in church with uh, clucking like a chicken and barking like a dog. Okay? Yeah, but, but, you, but you're passionate. You're not silent. You're passionate. And you can be passionate with people to the point that you can meet them. I mean, you've heard me say this enough that you're probably going to turn at the gas pump at Stater Brothers. I don't care where you meet them. That you become so endued with the power of the person of the Holy Spirit that Jesus shines through him, through you. Does that make sense? In other words, if you're going to reflect Jesus, watch me, it's going to go this way. Hoot to you and hoot to them. Does that make sense? And it, it, it's contingent on our passion to let people know that he's coming back soon. 
I mean, the way the world is spinning out of control, and it's crazy, and it's goofy, and people are, people are stressed out. They don't know what to do. John 14, 26, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Listen to that. He, I, what we are going, what we currently know about, the, about Jesus and the Word of God comes through the person of the Holy Spirit because he's the teacher. See, and we understand. So listen, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said to you. But why do people fear being controlled by him? Because people in this life do crazy things? I, I've been in churches where the stuff is like, really, I'm not putting anybody down, I'm just saying. I've, been, I've seen it all. Chickens clucking and dogs barking. First, first time I was in a church, a Pentecostal church, and I'm not, not against Pentecost because I'm a Pentecostal. I, I'm not ashamed of it all. Sometimes people say, well, I'm charismatic. You know, why they call you, you know why people call themselves charismatic and not Pentecostal? Because some crazy things happen in Pentecost. What they failed to understand is some crazy things have happened in the charismatic movement, too. You know why? Because without Jesus, we're all crazy. So don't use what you've seen other people do in the name of the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't let that keep you from embracing him and being filled with him to the point of overflowing. So the second encounter is with the person of the Holy Spirit, and it took place in the book of Acts. So go to John 14 with me, if you would, please. The Gospel of John, chapter 14. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus the night before he um, was crucified. And uh, media, I, I didn't let you know ahead of time, so apologize. We're in John 14, and we're going to go to verse 15, okay? So if you don't have your Bibles with you, you can watch on the screen. Watch what Jesus, now this is the night before Jesus is crucified. He's going to be crucified. He'll be on the cross by 9 a.m. the next morning. Listen to what he says to the disciples. And you're one. Okay. If you love me, keep my commandments. So now he's framed everything he's about to say in orders. Does that make sense? This is not, this is not, this is not a request. It's a demand. Ooh, that really <laughs> Are you okay? You're getting very quiet. Okay. Um, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter. Well, wait a minute. That's not Jesus? No. Listen to what he says. Another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you shall know him, for he will dwell with you and beware. There you go. There's a with, born again, and baptized. Filled with the Spirit. Watch what he goes on to say. I will, leave, uh, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Yet a little while, and the world sees me no more. But you see me because I live. You shall live also. 
What's he talking about? He says, you're going to live your life for me so that others would know me as Lord and Savior because it's about winning souls and touching people's lives that are living behind dumpsters and, and living in corporate offices. It doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're a billionaire or you're stone-cold broke living behind a dumpster. God loves you and cares about you, and we're going to live our life in power in a manner that will show that love to you. Because you and I can't love that way. We can't love without the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20. At that day you shall know that I'm in the Father, and the Father in me, and I'm in you. In other words, I'm going to confirm my presence, Jesus says, in your life because of him. Wow, listen to this, verse 21. And he that hath my commandment and keeps them, he it is that loves me, and he that loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself unto him. The way to knowing Jesus in the fullness is to be filled with his Spirit. To be filled with the person of the Holy Spirit. And that's what took place on the day of Pentecost. On the day of Pentecost, they were all in an upper room. They were all praying. They didn't know what was coming. They had no theological background. They had no idea, no concept. They just knew they were tarrying for what? Power. Power to live their lives. And so what happens? They're all together in a room, kind of like this, and they fell. The Holy Spirit just brooded over them, filled the room. And it was from that that the book of Acts was born, and evangelism struck the world for the first time because Jesus was gone. He had ascended to the Father, and he said, now I've given you the one that empowered me to do what I did for you in your place. I purchased you, and I purchased your right to have my teacher, my comforter. That, that's shocking to me. That, that's incredible to realize that Jesus said, I'm giving you everything I needed. Listen to me. Jesus couldn't have done what he did without him. That's why in John's baptism, who came like a dove? The Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to do what needed to be done for the Father. Because the Father loves us. And he wants all people, even the vilest, most wicked of people that have ever lived or live today, God would reject none if they would embrace the love of the Father. And so we have to ask this question. Why are there two encounters? Well, there are two encounters because one is for our confirmation of salvation. The other is for the confirmation of our duty. You see, living for Jesus is not just 
cool. It's a responsibility. Being a Christian is a responsibility. Bears with it incredible, incredible influence if we'll embrace the gift he's given to us. And so the bottom line is, when he said what he said in John 14, he said, I, I, I love you with an everlasting love, and I want to give you the one that helped me do what I did for you. And, uh, you know, I'm sure he must be sitting at the right hand of the Father going, I don't get it, Dad. I don't know why they don't want what I want. I you know, and so when a, it's, it's a matter of the lack of trust. Because, you see, so many people in the name of Pentecost do some eh, questionable things. They're not illegal. They're not immoral. And they're not fattening. But you understand that in the process, he, he, he said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust everything that I've done. Think about this. I, I, this boggles my mind. Jesus paid for the world and then turned it over to the Holy Spirit. That's the ultimate trust. Oh, maybe not. You see, the Father sent Jesus into the world. That's the ultimate trust. No, no. The Father sent Jesus into the world, trusting Jesus to do what needed to be done, to live the life, to pay for you and I. The Holy Spirit came to empower Jesus to do that. Jesus does it and then says, Hey, Bob, you can have who I use. I'm going to give you a personal relationship with the one who empowered me as a human being, fully God, fully man. I'm going to give him to you. And my only question to you, Bob, is why wouldn't you want that? And, and to understand that I don't have the time to, to, to lay this out for you in detail, but there are many infillings of the person of the Holy Spirit. There are many infillings. The Scripture's clear of that. And it's not about receiving Pentecost. It's about receiving the person of the Holy Spirit into your life and into my life. The question is, do you want that? Is that what your desire, is that what your heart's for? And you say, well, man, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, I, I understand that. But it's called the man infestation, manifestation. The man infestation where you're infested. You're filled to overflowing. You're empowered with life. No, you're not going to run around and do crazy things. and go, Well, I don't know, maybe you will. I've, but the point is, is that you're so filled with the Spirit of the Father that was in Him that you can face the issues of your life. I have some very, very dear friends that are terminal. They're going to die, and soon. And they're very dear friends. But I see in them a hope. 
And that kind of hope is infectious when you get around it, especially with people who live in the world with no hope. The only hope of living through this life successfully is Jesus. That's it. That's it. It's Jesus. And so when we give our life to Jesus, we're born again. It's that we're baptized in his spirit. Listen to what I'm going to finish with this this morning. And then we're going to give you a chance because if you haven't been, I'm going to give you a chance. The Bible says the impartation of the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes by the laying on of hands. It doesn't have to, but that's the way it does. Listen to what Luke says. Now, I'm going to hit you real quick. Watch this. Uh, Luke says in Luke 24, 29, And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Hemet until you be endued with power from on high. <laughs> Acts 4, 39, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were at in California with all the earthquakes, and they were all filled, all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they began to speak the Word of God in boldness, in boldness. They weren't afraid to love people in, 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 in the workplace and in the marketplace, in the neighborhood. Pastor, Pastor Susan and I, um, we're downsizing. And we're moving out of the home that we're in. We sold it. And we're moving into a smaller home. I'm going into old Geezersville. Okay. Um, we're moving to Seven Hills. We're downsizing. We're just downsizing because we're busy and we just don't have the time. Okay. But here's the gig. Now, uh, let me do this. Okay. Let's get it over with. Um, since the neighbors have found out more than you would imagine. I've somehow just bumped into one this morning. I'm backing out of the driveway to come here and I almost ran over one of the neighbors walking her dog, okay? And uh, uh, this is going to sound very self-serving, so they've all said, we're sorry you're leaving. That's the way it ought to be. Not because we're wonderful, not because we're so whatever, but because just living your life. I, I haven't preached the gospel to a single one of them, have we? Huh? One? Okay, we won't mention. Okay. She got them. I didn't. Okay. Okay. But they all know who we are and what we do. And the point is this. Just let your life be empowered by the influence of the person of the Holy Spirit so people get around you, and when you walk away, they go, there's something different about them. What's different about them? Because the world is so full of craziness that the only thing people are hungry for right now is to know peace. Okay, Acts 8, 15 through 17. And when they were come down, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost, for as yet... He had fallen on none of them. So in other words, it's separate from salvation. Only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost. What we're going to do here this morning, if you haven't, we're going we're to lay hands on you. I don't mean like, I mean like, okay? And we're just going to, it's called the impartation, okay? Now listen, 
Acts 10.45. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, can any man forbid water? Now notice what's happening. This is baptism, but not in water. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? And when they received the Holy Ghost as well as we, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, then they prayed for him. Okay, here's the point. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is different than the baptism of water. What happens when Pastor Steve or Reggie or somebody else puts you in the water? They lean you back and they hold you down until the bubbles die. Right? Okay. It's the same thing. You're immersed in the person of the Holy Spirit. People say, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes, you are filled, but you're immersed in Him. Okay? Now, next verse. Um, Okay, Acts 11, 15. And as I began to speak, the Holy Ghost fell on them as on us at the beginning. Then remembered I the word of the Lord. Now listen to what he says. How that he said, John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. There's two baptisms. It's an immersion into. Okay. Acts 13, 52. Only two more verses. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. In other words, one of the signs of the, of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is that you have a joy to push through issues in life and not look like you've been baptized in lemon juice. Does that make sense? That you find a strength in life to face the issues of life while the world's falling apart. You know, actually, this is an incredible evangelistic opportunity. With the craziness that's going on, now everybody, even the unbelievers, think it's crazy. That's a time for us to shine. Okay? Last one. Acts 19, 2 through 6. And he said unto them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Notice the separation. And they said unto him, We have not as much as heard whether there is a Holy Ghost. Point, and point being, boldness to enter into the things of God. Now, James 4.14, how do you know that your life will be like, what, how do you know what your life's going to be like tomorrow? You don't. We don't know what's coming at us. With the craziness that's going on in the world, with the goofiness, and we're having a town hall meeting about what's going on in the school system and the educational system, there will never be a better time in America. Not once will there be another better time evangelize America than now. Because while the thing has gone crazy, you're going to stand out like a sore thumb. People will recognize you. They notice something about you. Say, it's not how you're dressed. It's not the, the, you know, your hair. It's not your appearance. It's not your food. It's the per it's a person of the Holy Spirit just emanating through you. Again, I'll tell you, I tell you this all the time. I love Studebaker. What an evangelistic field. What just an amazing place to evangelize. All you have to do is be nice to people. And their heads turn on their shoulders. They spin like, are you normal? No, not like the world. Because you see, we have a peace. We have the Prince of Peace in our life. And we have the power of the person of the Holy Spirit. And we have the strength to do what needs to be done. Now the question to you is, if you've never had that encounter, we're going to give you an opportunity. 
We're going to close the service in just a moment. And as we do, I'm going to give you a chance. You just come put your toes on the line. And then we're, we're just going to lay hands on you. That's all. And we're going to pray for you. And we're not going to massage your thyroid gland, okay? We're, we're, we're not going to, you know, it's just we're just going to lay hands on you. And then, because that's the way it's commanded, and they laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Spirit. And then we're going to touch you, and then we're going to leave you to God and let him do what he wants to do. The question is, and Pastor Steve, Pastor Suzanne, Pastor Susan and I are going to be the ones who are going to pray for you. If that's what you want and you feel a tugging in your heart, come put your toes on the line. Anybody else, if you're going to come, would you come? Oh, you can come whenever you want. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to dismiss you. If, if some of you would be willing, or you can, or it's capable, I'm three minutes over, okay? If, you, if it's possible for you to stay, 